I don't know. And I guess I, I like mysterious movies. Like, this is a thing I feel like I could watch it four more times and still not unpack everything that it's saying, but probably I could pull out what I want to pull out from it. It's a, it's a movie that lets you pull lots of interesting ideas and run with them for further than the director wanted to go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 445 with our review of Personal Shopper. I am Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we're going to be talking about a little ghost story. So why not start by talking about uh, whether or not we believe in ghosts? Ooh. Stephen Miller, do you believe in ghosts? And follow-up question, if you say no, why do you get so spooked out by ghosts? <laughs> uh, yeah, so the follow-up question is a good one. It means you already <laughs> kind of assumed my answer, I think. Um, let's see. I believe in life after love. Um, <laughs> I, so I, I do not believe, believe in, in turning back time. <laughs> I, I do not believe in ghosts. I, I will say I I believe the there's enough in the universe that we don't understand that there could be things it, kind of like the the way this film discusses the concept of of ghosts occasionally as like there are other aspects of the universe than the ones we are seeing and sometimes yeah. that door can be ajar. I w- I would not completely leave out that possibility right that there are things happening that i do not yet understand yeah uh, the idea of a ghost as a person there's just like no reason for me to believe that yeah, um, yeah. so th- so the interesting question and i think this gets at horror movies in general is why does a thing that i fully believe cannot be real still have the power to like frighten me for days on end later yeah, yeah. um so, so it's like, it's like it's like spoilers for for life for children any children that are listening to the podcast. But Santa's not real. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like wanting Santa to be alive to be real to get your Christmas presents, but yeah. also being scared of Santa. like yeah, if yeah. you were actually traumatized of 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 a person you know isn't ex- a real right it's sort sort of like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so I think what it is is um, I, it, it it's that adage of nothing to fear but fear itself. I think the thing that creeps me out like maybe this should be said as opposed to being afraid it's what creeps me out like what is the thing that just makes me feel unsettled when it's dark and i suddenly have this thought and it it, it's the fear of a thing happening like what if there were suddenly a face over there or what if (laughs) you know what if someone were looking in the window or what if i suddenly heard footsteps yeah yeah. i don't i don't believe in ghosts but i believe in disembodied faces appearing in windows i mean that's just like a a true scientist would have to agree that disembodied faces (laughs) might be a thing Uh, but no so it's something where it's the it's like a feedback loop where it's the idea of how it would make me feel if this creepy thing occurred becomes what terrifies me and so a movie that has a terrifying image or like a unsettling circumstance happening that just gives me a thing I can latch onto where I can obsess over. I know it won't happen right now, but if it happened right now, that would be totes terrifying. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and then I just kind of build on that. Over no, time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, that, that's a great way of putting it. It's kind of like, there's a thing that you recognize as impossible, but you're thinking about, but what if it was possible? Yeah. And the, like you, your body starts to go through the, the, the feelings as if you are reacting to the thing that you mm-hmm. know isn't going to happen, yeah. but your body is still reacting to it because you've manifested it in your mind. Like yeah. you've, you've conjured 
the reaction to a ghost like thing if mm-hmm. if it's non-existent yeah. um how about you do you believe in ghosts yeah so i, I like uh i same <laughs> <laughs> I, I i like the way you put it because what i was going to the way i was going to phrase it is that i'm ghost curious <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i can tell that about you <laughs> Um, and, and that, that is to say that like, I don't functionally believe it. it. It's, it's one step removed from, um, the X-Files I want to believe. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the, 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 the way I kind of interpret that is the way that I interpret it when I've talked to other people about aliens in, in, in general is that like, it doesn't matter whether or not I believe aliens are real. It's mm-hmm. I want to believe they're real. Like I'm invested in the fact that alien life exists. It's, it's. Um, from an intellectual standpoint, from a excitement standpoint, from a curiosity standpoint, I want aliens to exist. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to come and destroy the earth yeah. like they do in Hollywood films. But like I, I want to think that like yes, they are there. Um, so whether or not they are is unimportant because I I'm I'm invested in them being there. With ghosts, I'm definitely not invested with yeah. them. I don't necessarily believe they're true. When I was young, I do remember checking out from the public library a book on ghost hunting. Uh-huh. So like I like there was a, I went through a phase when I was younger, like being like mildly interested slash obsessed with like the possibility of ghosts. And mm-hmm. I kind of like just from the idea standpoint, I like the idea of, you know, kind of our, our, our two classic uh, theories of go- not theories of go- like the, 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 the two classic backgrounds to ghosts is one is that. A ghost is sort of an impression of a person who did something a lot in the past, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if an older woman uh, tends to her garden every day during the exact same time, every day of her life until she dies, right. there might be this like sort of uh, proje- projection of her continuing to do that after she's died, right? That's sort mm-hmm. of like the one path. And the other path is the, the more classical Hollywood style of unfinished business, right? Mm-hmm. Like the spirit of a person is left behind until something they really wanted to complete is is finished and then they can disapparate and go away or whatever <laughs> right I, I just i think that idea as like coming from a more skeptical background or something the idea that person a person in particular like their will or their desire is somehow this like higher level thing that gets to violate the laws of the universe like yeah yeah like that doesn't make as much sense to me as the first thing you said, where it could be like just a repetition, like an imprint. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like the world has recorded the presence of this person mm-hmm. and is playing it back because that's the way the matter has been configured in the universe for this moment, whatever, yeah. right? Um, so, so to answer the to answer the question at hand that I'm sort of like abstracting away from is, while I don't really believe in ghosts, I have always been afraid of them on mm-hmm. some level, like. Um, when I was younger at a party, if somebody pulled out a Ouija board, I would just leave. I'm like, yeah. fuck it. I'm out of here. Cause like, it's not, I don't that- even like squeegees because <laughs> the word sounds yeah. too similar. And I only play as Mario, not Waluigi. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, yeah, like when, when somebody bring it out, it wasn't that I thought they were going to do something. It was that if something does, if a, something does exist mm-hmm. and B, this device really can tap into that, you're just fucking invited. It's like, yeah. It's like playing with liquid nitrogen, right? Like, sure. Or, or yeah, yeah. Nitroglycerin, mm-hmm. not, not liquid nitrogen. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine to play with. <laughs> Anybody can do it. <laughs> You'll freeze your eye out. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Playing with nitroglycerin, like, like, sure. It might be funny to have a little vial of it and like play hot potato with it. Like mm-hmm. some people might try to do, yeah. but like, it's just at some point you're like, you're just asking for something. Well, well so I think these ghost things or like a Ouija board there, there's kind of a, 
like demented Pascal's wager involved where it's like, I know it probably isn't real, but if it were real, you know, what do I get from doing this versus not doing it? Yeah. Like, like if Ouija boards do nothing and I don't do it, I lose nothing. But if Ouija boards do something and I do it, then I'm screwed. (laughs) And I think our, our brains kind of do this right with like the, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Like, all of these things. It's Why like, did you say it's Stephen? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you have no reason to believe that it's real. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you you know with, like, almost 100% certainty that it's a, like, cheesy marketing campaign. It's, like, it's something else. But it's still, like, what if? Why would I Why would I roll those dice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. So I think we're on the same page. But I do, I do like the thing that you brought up when, when you were talking about the idea that there are there are things out in the universe that we don't yet ex- understand and, you know, with, with the idea of like parallel dimensions and like all sorts of crazy stuff or just certain mm. planes of existence, which we can't perceive due to our limited nature yeah. um, could relate to aliens too. Right. Um, uh, but uh, the fact that there could be something that we would perceive as ghostly that is normal within yeah. the physics of our world. It could actually just be, you know, some kind of force between two things that we don't understand yet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of I, I like that way of putting it because yeah. I think that's a better way of articulating kind of how I feel like there are things it's kind of like even in the the second and third Matrix films right like mm-hmm. we learn in those films that ghosts are just rogue programs that are running not according to their original programming and that mm-hmm. we perceive them as ghosts because our brain is trying to rationalize the visuals that we see and the thing that doesn't seem to uh, work properly in the world that we're in so right cool. So yes, personal shopper. Personal shopper. <laughs> um, so, so just by starting with this, uh, all the listeners are going into personal shopper with much more information than I had, <laughs> because I only knew Kristen Stewart, Olivier Asias, name is personal shopper. <laughs> and that's what got me to the theater. Yeah, yeah. Um, but apparently it is already widely known. It's in the description. It's in the trailer that this is, among other things, a ghost story. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. So, I mean, w- when, we, when we begin the actual review proper after the trailer plays... Um, yeah, like it, it's I, I even looked up just to make sure IMDb says it revolves around a ghost story. So yeah. that's that's where this topic came from. Um, so sorry, Jeff Kanata. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone else who is like uh, who is fine with knowing that hopefully we'll, we'll see how this all goes. Yeah, it would be hard to review without revealing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Because <laughs> Well, we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Personal Shopper and then come back and give you a full review. What are you doing in Paris? I'll take it. This too. It's 500 for the belt and 2,000 for each bag. Great. I'm a personal shopper. Kira's very high profile. Hey, Kira. She can't do normal things. So I assist her. You have nothing better to do besides dress Kira? I'm waiting. What are you waiting for? My twin brother, Louis, died here. It's been 95 days. We made this oath. Whoever died first would send the other a sign. From the afterlife. Has that always been there? Are you sure? There was a presence. Do you think Lewis is here? I don't know. 
Kira. I'm just gonna drop these bags for you, okay? Hey. Kira was murdered. What way are you doing at her place? Why are you asking? I'm lost. I can't tell whether or not I'm going crazy. Is it you? Or is it just me? All right, so that was the trailer for Personal Shopper. Simply uh, reading from the description on IMDb, this film revolves around a ghost story that takes place in the fashion underworld of Paris. Mm-hmm. Paris. <laughs> <laughs> and wait a minute, do you hear a faucet on? Right? I think Carson. Carson, is that you? Carson, if you're here, bump the table once for yes, twice for no. Do you? Do you have a review for Personal Shopper? I think I think Carson wants to say something. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine how how this joke is going to play on the final microphone. Uh, but anyways, you yes. mean how the sound of me banging the table and all our equipment is going to sound in the in the podcast? Yeah, I'm watching the waveform, and it's weird that like I can see the waveform. Of your bang in my microphone more than your microphone, which is weird because the bang is coming from your side. This uh, is spooky. The this bang, is spectral the, waveform. Uh, the bang is coming from inside the studio. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, so Carson has given us a very short drop in um, and uh, Stephen Miller is going to do a dramatic reading of this. <clears throat> a letter from Carson Patrick. <laughs> Case 2 cruises around Paris looking for cool clothes and hunts ghosts in her spare time, all captured in gloriously grainy 35mm. Shocker, I loved this movie. Was it that hard to guess? Nope. Will it be showing up in my best of the year recap? Of course. Stuart is great in this, and the airplane mode texting scene is legit scary. Olivier Asias finally cracked the code of making iPhones interesting on screen. The feelings are obs mutual, right, guys? <laughs> and, and then the ghost is projecting to me a, uh, <laughs> a, a gif of Ben Affleck making a kind of like shruggy face. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Carson Patrick, love this film. Um, as he said, it's going to be in his, his, at least talked about in our end of year review. Um, but the question is, Stephen Miller. Yeah. Is it going to be talked about in your end of your review? Actually, you don't have to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can't commit to it yet. Uh, but as is canon in the spoiler warning universe, uh, I really enjoyed Clouds of Sils Maria, which was Olivier Asias's last film and kind of the first, the first big serious Kristen Stewart role that I have seen, at least. Um, but like an important thing to remember there is I put it in my talkie flick award of the year, which is the kind of film that you and Carson usually don't like. Um, <laughs> so that was the award where I put like runners up worth 45 years. Uh, the year before, Force Majeure is the one that won it. <laughs> Force so, Majeure. Yeah. So, so the, these are movies that are like very slow and talky and often foreign. Like that's just the way it works out. Um, that the, the kind of slow burning pace gives them room to breathe and discuss things about life. Uh, but they are not the kind of film that I expect other members of this Boiler Warning podcast <laughs> to to enjoy very much. Uh, so, so it shouldn't be a surprise that I really, really liked this, right? It's the team of the director that I really enjoyed and Kristen Stewart, who I think is growing into like a great actress, uh, following up on a film that I really loved. 
Uh, but what's surprising to me is why I really, really like this movie. Um, so in, in Clouds of Sils Maria, uh, the slow talkiness was the foreground. Like, that is what you're going in to see. You're going in to see two people have conversations about acting and life, and that's the whole movie. Like, there are other little touches that make it feel more stylistically interesting, but, like, those are just kind of cherries on top. Yeah. Um, and in, in this movie, the, the slow talkiness, the drama, is, like, background. Like, that's just, like, the... That is the excuse for the film to be happening, and then in this kind of like talky film about grief and life and just like poking at little ideas, there will be sudden sharp crescendos of fantastical things happening, uh, like the ghost elements in this movie. And there, there's something about that, like I think you'd call it magical realism, where it's like mostly a realism story and then wildly fantastical things suddenly happen. Yeah. And yet characters are still also preoccupied with the normal real world questions. Like they aren't just thrown into this supernatural story where for the rest of the movie, it's all about supernatural and nothing else. Um, that, that really did something to me uh, watching this movie that, that put me in a very interesting place. It, it, those scenes felt very, very intense to me and jarring. And it, it left images that have lingered for days. <laughs> like you, you referenced this movie kind of, um, keeping me up at night and like i'm not really sure that this film did that but this has definitely lodged in my brain in a way that i was not expecting um and and so what i think basically if i can if i can predict the schnazy response um <laughs> i i think the the pure drama at the at the lowest level of this film is not up there with clouds of sils maria it's not the kind of thing that could stand alone i don't think uh, the the drama is more just an excuse to get the conversations going. And what that means is there are certain moments in this film, like actions that Kristen Stewart takes, that only exist to serve the storyline. They don't exist to like be true to her character. Um, there's one conversation in particular that we both talked about that is like clearly just an exposition dump that is not at all true to this kind of reserved character that she's playing. Yeah. Um, so I think she she's kind of forced to do certain things in service to the more art house aspects of this flick that do a disservice to the character work that she's building. Uh, with that said, I do think she's still very good at building this kind of closed, uh, nervous, uncomfortable character who is like not quite comfortable in her own skin. And kind of every time she's acting, she's kind of like clenched and hunched over a little bit. And I think she does a good job of of bringing that here. And it does make the the more frightening aspects of the film feel more terrifying because she's someone you can identify with as a, a scared person who's out of her element. Um, but yeah, it's basically, it's a, it's a weird film. I, I really liked it. It left a lot to chew on, I think. And those, those more fantastical scenes, like the texting scene that Carson mentioned and moments of true, true ghastly things occurring stuck with me for an unsettlingly long amount of time. <laughs> uh, I, I think me loving this film does not mean I fully understand it. It's like something I'm chewing on and I would really like to revisit before I try to draw conclusions. But yeah, th this movie was made for me. Uh, I'm surprised that they managed to do something totally different from the last film and still leave just as big an impression on me. Chris, <laughs> will, will you be the naysayer? Okay, yeah, so... Uh... I guess to 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 reveal some of how the sausage is made, mm -hmm. uh, might as well start by 
informing our listeners that uh, at this point I've seen this film twice. Um, not because I'm like a like Carson super super enthusiastic about fantastic about it and just had to see it again. Um, I saw this twice for the same reason that I saw uh, Cloud Atlas twice in theaters back when we reviewed that several years back. Or, or we saw The Imitation Game twice. <laughs> yeah, that, there's that too. Um, Sometimes doing a podcast, uh, you see films in not the best condition, and sometimes that condition is not the theater itself, but just the time of evening and what you've been doing throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And I was just very, very tired when we went to see this, and I was at the point where I was like, hey, I don't want to review this unless I go see it again. Um, so I went back to see it again so I can give it a true, a true sense, fully awake, see it earlier in the day, and have a real sense of how to chew on it, because as Stephen has mentioned... This is not necessarily my type of film. Um, while I do like very conversation-heavy films, that it can't just be conversation about... Like, I have to know... It has to be a very deep conversation that where I think the filmmaker is trying to communicate a very specific message, yeah. not necessarily like an ambiguous message or just sharing a feeling of life. Like, I want somebody to be saying something very, very deeply in my conversational movies. Um, and... Watching this film the first time, I was very, I was floating like a ghostly apparition yeah. um, leaving I the film. I saw it, it was creepy. <laughs> I was just like, I, I walked out of the theater and just vomited ectoplasm yeah. all over the street and was like, oh man. You shouldn't have eaten all that ectoplasm before the movie. <laughs> it was the only thing on the menu that looked good. Yeah. Um, it's either that or the quesadilla bites. <laughs> yeah. Which basically, let's, let's be honest, tastes like ectoplasm. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so I've gone back and seen it now, and now I'm here to talk about it. Yep. Um, so I, I'm definitely the the biggest naysayer on the podcast, as, as would be expected. Um, this film is... It's interesting. It's a film that I that I that I I guess appreciate more than I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had that written down as my <laughs> guess for what you were going to say. <laughs> appreciate more than I like. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, so th- this is what it comes down to: is I think the filmmaker took a they took a statement about the world, the way they recognize the world, how we interact with each other, how most of our communications are with people who are not in our presence and sort of extrapolated that into a film that is a metaphor for that Mm -hmm. is kind of the way I see it. Um, If uh, to, 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 to to be, to to give an extremely personal example, if I can go full Patterson Mm -hmm. on us for a second, um, like I have uh, an ex-girlfriend who I do not spend time with anymore because it's an Mm ex-girlfriend and we don't really hang out in her presence, but we still have occasional communication outside of it. And she exists in one form in text that is completely disassociated from the person that she is if she was physically standing next to me, right? Right. Like she exists as an entity, like a ghostly, like a literal ghostly apparition (laughs) of the past, which only exists in text form. This film is sort of, both doing that literally and figuratively. Yeah. I mean, like the uh, Kristen Stewart's character, she's a personal shopper for some cool fashion person. She never sees this person almost mm-hmm. ever. Like we we physically see her in one scene, which I think is well, two scenes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like basically we see her a small handful of times. And I honestly think that the only reason we see her at all is to prove to us that Kristen, yeah, that Kristen Stewart isn't the only person seeing her. Yeah. Like they put her in a space that has multiple other people, so that way we 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 know that it's not just the filmmaker 
Like we're, we're not immediately going like, oh, the Sixth Sense thing is happening yeah. here, right? Spoilers for Sixth Sense. Um, so, but she only communicates in these notes and the note is read by the person writing the note off camera, right? Mm-hmm. So like there, there's a sense that like in our lives, we are completely surrounded by these ghosts that are of our present, our past and our future. Yeah. And we sort of spend most of our time interacting with people via text, via phone, via whatever. And there is this sense, and I have felt it in my life, even with people that I currently have, like, a relationship, both personal and whatever, Mm -hmm. where, like, you are sort of two different people, right? Like, so us here on the podcast, if Carson was recording with us right now, Carson lives in L.A., we both live in the Bay Area, Mm -hmm. and we almost never see each other in person, but we still communicate once a week, right? And it's like, Carson technically doesn't exist as an actual person, right? Like, for all we know... Spoilers for Carson. (laughs) Spoilers for Carson. Um, (laughs) We're actually using the beta software that Adobe has where you can, like, take a recording of a person and just write anything you want, and it sounds like they're speaking it. Yeah. Um, Anyways. um, Yeah, so it's like we... There's this idea that there is nothing... The the tangible world doesn't exist almost, right? Like, Mm -hmm. even... Like, you and I are sitting in the same room right now having a conversation about this film, but, like... When like we we work together, mm-hmm. but we work on different floors of a building, and most of our interactions are across that that gap. We could just walk to each other's desk, but it's a message in HipChat or whatever, right? right? So it's so it's like I don't know. There, there there is something really interesting this film is doing with developing that thought and that recognition that our world is full of ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that really interesting way to visualize a feeling that I've already had mm-hmm. about my interactions with other people, I don't know that the narrative of this film is doing a lot, right? right. It, like, it feels to me that there, there's this really great idea, and it's communicating a really great feeling, but I don't know what it, – it just the, – the film, it's like we're, we're introduced to Kristen Stewart in a scene where she's already – trying to make communication with ghosts right Uh (laughs) it's not like she didn't just buy like she didn't get inherited a house and then suddenly boof like a weird ghostly thing is happening it's like that starts in the middle basically she's going to a place to try to discern whether or not there is a ghost there Mm -hmm. right and it's like when a character just out of nowhere is like oh i'm a medium you're like oh oh oh, okay this is uh, this is the type of movie this is but like like she doesn't quite know whether she actually is a medium. She's definitely things seen things she can't explain. Mm-hmm. But like part of the thing is she needs her brother, who she sort of believed was a medium, to try to communicate to her yeah. from the after. Like there, there's a bunch of things that are interesting, and the film definitely isn't meant to be figured out, so to speak. Right. But it, it's it's built in the way that it's leading to something. And it, even like rewatching it, there are just things that like shots. That I don't, uh-huh. I, like watching again, I'm just like, mm, yep, no, I'm, I'm still as lost as I was in that, uh-huh. the first time I watched this. Like, there's, there's things where it's like seeing it a second time both helps and hinders the film, right? Yeah. Because it strengthens that metaphor of this communicating with ghosts, and it also weakens the the, the just the plain visual experience of seeing what the film is. Right. Um, so yeah, that's. My very nebulous, confusing way of talking about this film. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually intrigued by the the stuff you picked up. I assume it was mostly on the second viewing, the uh, the way we communicate with each other and the way people are kind of ghosts for us already. I I hadn't really thought about that fact that almost every scene in this film, if you don't include Kristen Stewart talking to strangers, like yeah, you know yeah. buying clothes, 
almost everything is her alone, right? Like her isolated. Yeah, like there's not yeah. real, there are transactions, but there, there's only like one or two scenes in the film that actually have what I would call a conversation in them. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is, I, I feel like that somehow combines with, there are things we learn about her and her brother. Uh, I don't think they're in the trailer, so I won't, I won't say it. But certain things that they share that kind of gets at this feeling of like, the our bodies being very weak and the physical world being like i don't know a lot of this is making like physical interactions and physical life be not the main thing anymore like everything kind of blurs into a a weird floating style yeah and i i feel like a lot of this film is floating right it it floats through strange haunted house scenes and then it floats through driving around Paris and going shopping and being on the train and doing all these things where you're just blending into a crowd and yeah. there, there's never really concrete meaning in the movie. And I think like that overall feeling is what left me with, it, it, it left me with a feeling of kind of loneliness or grief. And I couldn't say that the film builds up to a thesis about that, but I think it, it makes you feel it in a very interesting way. Um, and a, a lot of her, history again i also don't know what is revealed in the trailer or not but yeah. i think it's not a spoiler to say that her her brother died and she is grieving him right yeah. like i think that she's not a monster like she's grieving him she's not cool with it um and there is something interesting there like a, a thing i've been thinking about lately from my own personal baggage um, <laughs> is the idea of the way that people in your past can very literally haunt you right yeah. like the the haunting nature of the past where you kind of see it being replayed and you want to communicate with it and you want to touch it, but then you know, it's not really there anymore. Right. Like, you yeah. know, it could just be yourself projecting. Um, yeah, yeah. and this, there are kind of two endings to this film and we don't really need to spoil them. Uh, but, but there are two big conversations at the very end. Uh, there's a penultimate one, which I would say is kind of the emotional catharsis of the movie. Like if it had ended right after this moment, it kind of has a nice closed thing to say about grief and letting go. And then there's a final, much more ambiguous scene um, <laughs> that flips it a little bit and it ends in a, in a more challenging place. Like, I don't know how I feel about the final part. Um, yeah, anyway, the, these are all just like vague thoughts, but basically this this movie is doing a few different things and I don't think it has a thesis so much as like, is a provocative film. <laughs> I think I think the thesis of the film is ghosts, right? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I I do have to agree with Carson though that I I was surprised how much suspense they were able to build into a scene of just her typing in iMessage. Uh, I mean, we both pointed out immediately too that the way she types is weird in iMessage like she yeah, puts the space, space before the question mark. Yeah, the space before the question mark and like intermittently using text lingo like the letters u and r versus spelling things yeah. out completely properly so you would think all of those things would make that scene feel very cheesy right it it would make me think of these what i assume are dumb horror movies that take place like on skype or instant messenger <laughs> of the last few years <laughs> um but it, it really works somehow and i don't i don't know how the director pulled it off but i've I felt legitimately curious and I had a building sense of dread as these texts unfold. And I don't think it's like a heavy soundtrack doing it. I don't think there's really much of anything building up those moments, but it, 
it worked for me. I, I don't know if it's just like the the fact that the rest of the film was a more like classical French drama between people, but it really made those heightened moments like stick in my craw. So, uh, what what was weird for me the second time through, obviously the first time through, it is very intense. The second time through, having knowledge of it. <laughs> I can't speak about it without without being spoilery, but I just say that like it unsettled me in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like it unsettled me more in like a it it was less threatening and spooky and more like the fuck yeah <laughs> right and and yeah I don't I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it, it it was something that I struggled with because it it just it. I, I think the problem is that this film is dealing with a lot of big ideas, mm-hmm. but it's dealing with them in ways that are usually tropes building towards a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And because this film is unconcerned with those tropes, your visceral reaction to it is to try to figure out where it's going. Mm-hmm. But the film isn't concerned with going anywhere. Um, it just wants to sit and sort of like, uh, absorb these ideas and kind of just let them sit there. Yeah. And and I think when you try to follow them or you try to like, why is she reacting this way? Or like, what is she going to like? Most of the time you're like, oh, somebody's doing this. If they're doing that, then what, what should the character do in response to that? But like, there's like a weird, I don't know. There's, there's yeah. something about the way she responds to them sometimes feels natural and sometimes feels very like, once again, it's trying to be a metaphor for right. something, right? Yeah. Um, like mostly when when the 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 texts start asking her about things being forbidden, right? Mm-hmm. Like then, like the way she responds to that seems very uncharacteristic of the person. Like it just seems if you're scared of this whatever it is, <laughs> playing along with it yeah. seems not the proper thing to do, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it's unclear, and I think that's why her her character is a it, it'd be a strange character to act out. Because yeah. she is someone who is simultaneously a reserved, frightened person and someone who is, like you, ghost curious <laughs> enough <laughs> enough to try to pursue all these things and really push herself into big circumstances. And I feel like her character is kind of a contradiction, right? Because the, the way she behaves in life, this kind of reclusive presence, doesn't mesh with the person who is like a fashion expert and a personal shopper and like all of these things that would be like someone who's kind of very, very outgoing and into a certain scene. Um, And I think, I I think basically the movie is unconcerned with the truth of those things. So she, she lives as a metaphor and she's acting out that metaphor, which is, she does a good job of it, but it's not the same as like a realistic portrayal of a person. Yeah. I, I, I will say it, like it, it was a thing that I wasn't going to bring up, but since we're sort of talking about it, I will. I had the same complaint about her character being a personal shopper that I did about Anna Kendrick's character being like a crazy DJ oh, yeah. mix artist in Pitch Perfect. Because like there are scenes where Kristen Stewart is she's standing at like a, a coat rack and there are two purses and a belt. And she's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. I think I'll take both purses and and maybe this belt. Like, <laughs> like there is no understanding. So I've seen an arrested development when they like 
George Michael opens the opens the cabinet and only one granola bar is in it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just like you're, you're like uh, okay, like it's it's one thing to know what a person like. Oh, she really likes this color, so I'll take everything in that color. Or mm-hmm. she is shaped like that. Like there's no understanding of fat. I mean, and, and by the way, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Sarah's gonna listen to this and yell at me because I know nothing about fashion. Yeah. Um, but like knowing nothing about fashion, she didn't convince me that she has knowledge about fashion. Right. Right. She would kind of just like there would be five things on her rack. She'd be like, "Oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool." Or, you know what? She needs something flashy or flashy for this event. I'll say there's a bunch of black dresses and then one that's sparkly. I guess I'll take the sparkly one because that counts as flashy, right? There, there's not <laughs> a lot of of knowledge of the industry at least to a layman's eyes like myself um so i just thought it was funny that like right (laughs) yeah the the big deal is she's this person that that picks out all of the clothes that this fashion icon wears Mm -hmm. and and yeah i i have been wrestling a little bit with the the meaning of her being a personal shopper because there the film definitely does things with that right of the the idea of her buying clothes for someone else and the kind of taboo or the desire to become the other person or to live in their quite literally live in their shoes for a little bit (laughs) um and i'm i'm trying to wrap my head around how that meshes with the ghost thing like i could extrapolate and talk about like you know relationships in the past and the way you want to put it on and wear it right but i i don't know and i guess i i like mysterious movies like this is a thing i feel like i could watch it four more times and still not unpack everything that it's saying but probably i could pull out what i want to pull out from it it's a it's a movie that lets you pull lots of interesting ideas and run with them for further than the director wanted to go yeah yeah i it like two two movies i kind of want to compare it to one no one else in the world will compare it to this movie (laughs) uh but the first time i saw short term 12 um, my feeling when I saw that was it felt like it was hitting melodramatic tropes and it built up to like one or two very dramatic scenes, like very heightened scenes that if I'm logically thinking through the narrative, I would think there's no way this all happened in like one weekend. Yeah, this yeah. is this is just to make and emotional this is an entire things. summer's worth of time yeah. in one week. <laughs> yeah, this is just to make emotional things happen. And it's it's not fair that it's making me feel so strongly. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, but then when I rewatched short term 12 and I thought through it more, I did not give a fuck about whether it was realistic or not because the, the emotions and the person it was showing and like the, the feelings that was bubbling up to the surface were the point of that film. And I think it's like a, a masterpiece because of that. Um, and, and this kind of has that feeling for me where if I look at the, the more heightened aspects that happen in the story, especially the third act of this film, get it goes to some like dark places. Um, and if I take that literally, I would find the movie contrived, right? Like it's pushing way too hard to make you feel a certain thing. But I think it doesn't care about that. Like it doesn't care about the literal nature of anything that's going on. It just wants to make you feel and think about things and accepting that makes me okay with the question marks yeah yeah and then another movie which i don't think you saw so i don't need to go into detail but uh two days one night with uh marianne cotillard yeah i still haven't seen it yeah yeah so that's a movie that is the only reason for that movie to exist is so you can feel what depression feels like like i i I believe the the movie is kind of repetitive and dialogue heavy (laughs) it's in french um and yeah (laughs) 
and and but what it what it builds even though individual conversations don't feel like the most realistic thing in the world yeah the overall mood that the film builds is this feeling of isolation and hopelessness and yeah, i know carson didn't like it either um but anyway this movie kind of does both of those things very well for me as it builds emotions out of what could have been melodrama but because it doesn't care that it's melodrama i didn't care that it was melodrama and then it builds a mood out of pieces that don't necessarily make sense but yeah. still add up to a feeling yes yeah no i mean that that's yeah i, I guess I guess we feel the same way about the film, mm -hmm. but that equals two different things for us, right? Right. Like, it's for me, it equals not quite there, and for you, it equals quite there. <laughs> so right? I, I, I am wondering how, how did you feel about the the use of effects and fantastical things in this film? Because my sense. I liked it in the same way that I liked Jeff Nichols movies like Take Shelter or you mentioned Midnight Special after the film where it it uses it so sparingly but to for me very jarring effect like it knew exactly when to give you just a little bit and no more and to me that was much more haunting than if it had gone kind of full-blown CG's spectacle so it it does well not to go full CG spectacle but there is there is a level to the practicality of the way they're handling it that for me did not work mm -hmm. and i don't know how to explain it because i i applaud them for being reserved in in their the way they show things but there's something about the simplistic nature of it that it's sort of like reverse uncanny valley maybe like mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know like it's it feels canny mountain yeah it's yeah, canny mountain um but like the big rock canny mountain but like so so for for example when uh so so we saw hamilton the other week right mm -hmm. and there there is a moment uh where they have to freeze a bullet right and one of the dancers literally reaches onto stage and grabs the bullet in midair to hold it in place, right? Yeah. That is very, very cool. It's mm -hmm. a visually striking thing. It's very interesting. But it's, it's, um, they're, like, obviously, they're not going to, like, hang a bullet on a string <laughs> and, like, make it dangle on a stage, right? right. So it, it's, it's both practical and stylish. Mm -hmm. um, in other films where, you know, if, if you choose to do puppetry instead of CG, you're usually doing that for both budgetary and a certain look that you're going for. Mm -hmm. um, in this, some of these things, I can't tell whether it's fully creative or fully budgetarily. Like, mm -hmm. right there in in the penultimate scene that we were talking about, something happens there, and uh, I feel like I didn't even notice it the first time I saw oh, it. Really? Well, th there's two things that happen. It and it, it like happens for like thirty seconds, and yeah. I feel like I only really noticed the second fifteen I, seconds. I of noticed it. all of it. I know okay. what you're talking about. Um, but that shot looks terrible to me. Really, um, like really, really bad. Uh, it and I don't care that it looks bad. Like that didn't take away from me. But it's one of those things where it felt like. I can't I don't want to say what the shot is but it it, it felt like the 
it, it just felt like very poorly done mm. right like what you're seeing doesn't truly exist within that space to me mm-hmm. and it's i i don't know how to say it but it just, some, some to, of the, to, to me that shot was so like backgrounded and peripheral that it it had an ethereal feeling to me so i didn't even think about whether it looked real or not yeah, I, I guess I just don't understand. Like to me, to me, that is a filmmaker transposing what the script asked for, not a person coming up with a really interesting way to show that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the difference, right? So it's kind of like it is the string bullet equivalent versus uh, a dancer grabbing a bullet out of midair, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 that different for me, and. I don't know why it bothers me because I wasn't asking a lot from the film, but it's like there's there's certain creative decisions that it's not that they look bad. It's that I don't know why they look like that. Mm -hmm. And it's a decision on the part of somebody, but I don't know whether it's justified or if somebody said, well, like, what about this? And they're like, oh, that looks cool. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I, I just don't I don't. I don't quite understand the creative decision behind it and it's it very much doesn't I don't know I I, I don't quite know how to explain it but it just something feels a little bit off and because the film is so nebulous and so like so much of it is just out there in the air like seeing something like that just exists on the edge of that accepting versus not accepting level. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, I can't parse that. Right. Like, so interesting. Yeah. Does <laughs> <laughs> that, that satisfy your answer? Yeah, it satisfies my answer. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah. Should we get two verdicts for this then? Yeah. Okay. Steven, if you're going to give the same must-see, reckon with the caveat, wait for it until it passes the caveat or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm going to channel Carson and do the same thing and give it a must-see. Give it um, a noise. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a movie that I feel... It feels too cliched that like I'm taking, I'm taking a French talky type flick and using the word provocative on it but this is a provocative <laughs> movie like this is, this is a movie that it brings up questions and exposes feelings and it does not wrap it in a bow for you and it is one of those films that has kept giving where in the last few days whenever i think about it more comes to the surface even now talking about it i'm like thinking through scenes and reliving experiences that i didn't really think about the first time around yeah um and to me, that is one of the best kinds of movies, like a movie that can just really jar you and put you in an interesting place. So I would definitely seek it out. I think it's I think it's a great way to spend your time. And at the very least, it will give you something to chew on. Yeah. Unlike Raw. Yeah, unlike Raw. <laughs> which, which makes you not want to chew on anything. Um, yeah, so I think... Uh, I think with Raw, I was sort of floating between two things. So I'll float between two things again, but I'll give very distinct people for these two reviews to float mm-hmm. between. I would say that if you're going to see this alone, um, it is a wait for rental. Uh, if you are going to see this with people that you can sit down with and talk about the ideas in the film, that elevates it to a little bit higher place. So mm-hmm. alone watching 
wait for rental uh seeing it with others it has it gets a slight bit of a recommend the caveat being i still think it's not it doesn't it's it's not a chris film mm-hmm. but i think that there are themes that you could talk for a long time with people about huh. in the film that will then skew to stop you're no longer talking about the film but it's at least bringing up concepts and ideas that could be good for conversation afterwards so mm-hmm. so there you go officially wait for rental but under certain conditions that caveat becomes recommended mm. so nice I, I think this will surprise Carson, actually. He probably expected lower from uh, from Schnazy. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, that brings us to the end of this review of Personal Shopper. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, they can shoot me a text. My phone will be on airplane mode, so you can't, <laughs> you can't miss me. Uh, or you can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send, send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to a Personal Shopper. Um, I'm assuming that's available. <laughs> so hopefully you're enjoying that. Uh, later tonight, I will be recording a review of Life with Carson Patrick. So if you're excited for that sci-fi action, then uh, that will be happening. So yeah, thank you for joining me, Stephen. Thanks for having me. And thank you guys all for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Ooh.